Mac Power Users, episode 640, the iPhone App Roundup. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Stephen Hackett, iPhone Roundup. Yeehaw. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to this, man. I like that name, Roundup. It's good, right? It has some feeling to it. Were you were you a cowboy when you were a little boy? You... No, I wasn't. Oh man, I was I was gonna die with my boots on. I had my boots, <laughs> my hat, I had the whole thing, man. And, uh, that's good. I was more the astronaut yeah. type, I think. Oh, I totally get that. I I was that too as well. I remember my dad sold a bunch of the lumber for Disney World in the seventies. So we drove to Florida. And I got one of those astronaut jumpsuits when we went down to, is it Cape Canaveral? Or no, is it, what's the name of the space center in Florida? Yeah, K- Kennedy Space Center. Kennedy. We, we, and I literally, I was wearing that when it was like high waters. You know, I just, I literally grew out of it. I love that mm-hmm. jumpsuit so much. Yeah. That's No that's surprise. Fantastic. I was a, uh, I, I like to dress up as a kid. No surprise yeah. there. Yeah, that's continued today. On brand. <laughs> in, in preparation of this, I thought about the original iPhone keynote, and there's yeah. this great bit about, you know, it's a widescreen iPod with touch controls. It's a revolutionary phone. It's internet communicator. And, like, <laughs> the internet communicator bit, like, no one got. Like, it, it was a weird phrasing. No one really knew what that meant. Yeah. But in hindsight, <laughs> it's the one that matters the most. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, how the iPhone yeah. is a great internet communicator. Well, to me, at the time of the announcement, it meant it had a working browser on it. Because at the time, all cell phones, uh, browsers, or attempts to go on the internet were were, were horrendous. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, remember, too, the App Store didn't even launch at first. It was a year later with the iPhone 3G and iPhone OS 2.0. So. Uh, in the beginning, internet communicator really just meant, uh, you've got Safari. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a sweet, sweet solution. Oh, boy. But, you know, every few years we do one of these shows on the Mac Power Users where we talk about iPhone apps that get us excited. I actually really look forward look forward to doing these episodes because I just feel like the app store is evolving. And even though we're not getting the evolution like we used to, like all the apps would switch over every six months, there are some great apps out there. It's good to know what sticks and what's new. And uh, I I particularly like making these episodes. I hope you, dear listener, will find a few apps today that are of interest to you as well. And um, I guess that's what we're going to do today. But before we do that, we've got a few announcements um, for the Max Sparky Labs Early Access members, you should be getting an email shortly before this show, this episode drops. Uh, Shortcuts for Mac Field Guide Early Access is now a thing. Um, so I'm, I'm just a couple, two, three weeks away from releasing the Shortcuts for Mac Field Guide, and um, the Early Access people are getting in on kind of seeing it finalized. They're kind of in, it's the first time I've ever let anybody behind the curtain on this, so it's kind of fun and. Uh, if you didn't get that email and you're an early access subscriber, go check the page on the website or send me a note. That's that's really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I just want to thank folks who went out and got a 512 Pixels t-shirt. Uh, they are gone now. I'm sorry. But uh, if you did, I appreciate it. Um, and also for the kind words about the previous episode, you know, 639, we talked about a 
a new format we're trying. And I think I think the first episode was really successful. So look for more of them in the future. Uh, and if you have ideas for people you want to hear from, uh, let us know. There's a thread over at talk.macpowerusers.com uh, about that episode. Yeah, it's always exciting when we get to add a new format to the show. So yeah, I'm buddy. really happy that worked. So uh, today on More Power Users, uh, we're talking about apps today. In More Power Users, I'm going to go in-depth on my app launcher. I have built my own shortcuts app launcher, and uh, I'll get nitty-gritty on that in More, short- in the more Power Users. All right. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about apps, Stephen. What are the we- apps that are getting us excited? What are we doing with them? Yeah. Let's we got a pretty long list here, so I guess we should just get started. Let's do it. Why don't uh, why don't you pick our first one? Well, the first one I'm going to just mention in passing because we did an entire episode on it last week. But uh drafts. I mean, drafts is for me one of the best iPhone apps because it's the app that replaced uh, me carrying around those little field notes notebooks because I can get text into drafts faster than I can find a pen and write something down in a notebook. And then it's already in my digital, you know, capture system because it's in a draft. And, um, we, we spent a whole episode on it last week, so I'm not going to go into it in great detail here, but I have drafts on my home screen at all times. And I, since I pay for it, I have the six colors, um, kind of a rainbow icon for it, which makes me happy. Yeah. I love, uh, I love apps that have the alternative icons. I know that's not really what we're talking about today, but in looking through my phone for this and like some of the apps I chose, a lot of them have that. And often it is sort of a paid feature to get you to to upgrade, but I just, I love being able to customize that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, and like I said, I'm not going to go into great detail. Uh, so I use drafts. I have the, uh, I also use the six colors theme and the way I use it primarily, this is something I didn't talk about last week is just, you know, I capture drafts. I don't do a lot of processing in it, although I do have some some custom actions. Sometimes I send things off to Obsidian or to a text message or an email. I'm not a superpower user of drafts, but I still find it the best way to quickly capture text. I mean, just the other day I had to go to Home Depot. Um, I was going to put a shelf in and I just needed a measurement. I pressed the drafts button. I just dictated the dimension. And then when I was there, I could I could get access to it. So that's the kind, one of the ways I use it. So that's the first one. All right. And that was just kind of like the, the glancing blow. That's just the warm up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about day one next. That's one that, that both of us had uh, on our list. And we've, we've covered day one in depth uh, pre on previous episodes, but it continues to be my journaling app of choice. And, I think that under its its new ownership, you know, it was purchased by Automatic, the folks that are b- behind projects like WordPress, which per- purchased maybe a year ago or so. I don't know, time meaningless, but uh, I think they've done a really good job with it. It It is still the day one that I used and loved before the acquisition. I've been really happy with it, and it continues to be on the home screen of not only my phone, but also my iPad mini, and it's also in the dock on my Mac. Yeah, I keep day one on my, not in the dock, but on the screen. Um, I do have, and we'll talk about this in the more power users, I do have some custom shortcuts to launch things, and one of them is to create a quick day one entry. Um, I've played with day one as a widget in the past, you know, where I put it on 
what do they call that? The, the, the today view screen, today the view. one yeah. to the, the left of the main screen. Mm-hmm. But I find I, I use it enough that I prefer to have it just on my home screen. And and I always I also have different setups, you know, because of focus mode. But on my main home screen, day one is there. A couple things you can do at day one if you have it on your home screen is if you long press it. They've got contextual ways to add things. Like if you want to create an entry today or do a search or use the camera to add something, I find that really useful. Uh, If you'll just permit me a minute to talk about journaling, this is something that comes up frequently on the Focus podcast, but I've been on kind of a journey with journaling over the last several years. Um, I had fancy notebooks and pens for a long time, but ultimately I stopped doing that. The reason is because we had those fire evacuations at the house a couple years ago. And, and we, you know, when the police are driving up and down the street saying, get, get out of your house, you know, uh, you don't have a lot of time to put things together. And I thought I had a good system and I had like all the, like the big wedding album and the hard drives and stuff that was really important in the car pretty quickly. But then when I, we got to our, our place of respite, I realized that I left a whole stack of, years worth of journals just sitting in the house ready to burn, you know, and, and I, that really woke me up and I've been using day one off and on since it launched. And I even kind of was doing the practice with the, the paper journals pretty often, but not all the time where I would take a picture of a, a written journal and that would be right. saved as a day one entry. And since then I just decided I am not writing anything down on a journal that doesn't get saved to day one. And, and frankly, then I realized that I, I really don't need to write my journal every day. It doesn't give me the sense of satisfaction. It does some people. Sure. I'm perfectly fine going ahead and, and typing it or dictating it into day one. So now I've got this like, um, funnel of stuff going into day one between the stuff that sometimes I do write something down. Like I journal now, like long form when I'm trying to think through a problem, I'll get a pen and paper and write it out. And then I'll, I'll save it to day one. They've added a feature now in day one where you can scan the PDF and it does a pretty good job of it. And I know there are dedicated scanners out there that are probably a little better at scanning, but it's in the app. It does fine. And so I scan a lot of like handwritten paper stuff to day one now using that input method in the app. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I do some journaling in in Obsidian where I kind of log my day, kind of what I would call an interstitial journal. And I've created an automation where at the end of the day, I just dump that into day one as well. And um, I also put stuff into day one with uh, if this, then that automations. I've built a bunch of automations and if this, then that. So if I star a tweet, if I post something at Max Barkey, just little like touch points of my life um, get added to journals in day one. Um, I think one of the first episodes we did after you joined the show is on day one. And most of that still rings true, except, you know, yeah, I'm still using it. And I found a few more ways since then. Yeah, I also do a lot of uh, things that end up written down, end up as scans or as photos in day one. Because I do like writing. I, I carry a Fields note, Fields notes notebook and a pen with me everywhere, and I like kind of mixing that handwriting stuff into day one, where I can also attach photos. And if I if I scroll through my day one, 
a lot of it is images of things that, you know, we've done as a family or trips we've taken. And, and that's where that widget is really special for me, where I can be reminded of things. Oh, you were on this trip, you know, four years ago and you saw your friends, or your kids did this three years ago. And uh, I like that it can surface that stuff in, in kind of a fun, fun way that's, it's already curated from the photos library because it's things that I put into day one, right? It's not, oh, here's a wallpaper you made six years ago. And it's it's in your photos widget for the day for some reason, which is always hilarious. But yeah. um, so for me, I like that widget as well. I have it in a stack on the second screen of my phone with the photos, you know, memory widget. And I sort of, depending on my mood or what's going on, have one of those two always visible. Yeah. And people ask me, well, why don't you just do it in Obsidian? That's also end-to-end encrypted. But day one is better. I mean, it gives you that kind of spaced repetition stuff that day one does. It's got the capture, you know, paper document tool in it. I love the way I can put an image in it and it will automatically adjust the date of the entry to the date of the image. Like a lot of times on the weekend, I'll just go through my pictures from the week and create several day one entries from them. Um, my daughter and I went to a concert for the first time since before COVID. So, you know, that was fun on the weekend going through and adding that. And as soon as I put the picture from the concert in, the entry got dated correctly. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel, feel like day one is just really good as a journaling app. I did a webinar on journaling about three or four months ago that was well attended. I'm going to put the link for the playback in the show notes if you're interested in journaling, because that really had a big focus on day one, because ultimately I decided a a year or two ago that like, okay, I've got to stop goofing off with these other things. Day one is like the foundation of my journal system. No matter what I do, if I'm writing or typing somewhere else, it's always going to end up in day one. That was a long, lot about day one, I guess. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's a good app. And I think that yeah. it's a it's a good example of something that is uh, really specialized, right? As yeah. opposed to something like Obsidian or even Apple Notes. Craft uh, has a journaling feature in it as well. But because it has all that other stuff that you can tie into, you know, the weather and location and all that stuff, it makes it, it, makes it more... Uh, fully rounded out. Uh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Agreed. You got one? Yeah. I'm going to go with, uh, with a reader, which is a RSS app. Uh, the current version is reader five. Uh, reader has been around a long time, as you may guess from that version number. And it really did start life as just a really like nice looking, nicely featured RSS client for the Mac iPhone and iPad. Uh, over the years, of course, we've seen a lot of turnover in the RSS space with the death of Google Reader and a bunch of other like sort of indie services popping up. I use Feedbin. It's, I really like it, uh, mainly for the feature that you can set newsletters to like be emailed into Feedbin and they just show up as articles in your RSS, like with all the other stuff that you subscribe to. That's how I read newsletters. And it's uh it's it's great but what I've been really impressed with recently from Reader is the extension of the app beyond just syncing with a bunch of RSS services. So this started a couple of years ago when Reader 5 added iCloud support. So you don't have to go out and use Feedbin or Feedly or FeedHQ or one of these other services. 
you can just subscribe directly within Reader, and then it uses iCloud to sync those subscriptions to your other devices. Such a great use case, and it kind of makes Reader like also a standalone app, not just an app that talks to a web service. But even in the last couple of months, though, there have been some additional stuff added. So you can now use Reader to get updates from a specific Twitter user. So say that you want to follow you know, somebody on Twitter, but you're not on the service for whatever reason. Uh, you can just get their tweets in your RSS reader. Uh, and as of like a week ago or something, you can also have posts from certain Reddit users show up in Reader. And so maybe you have a certain creator you like following. Anytime they post something on their subreddit, you want to be aware of it. But you don't want to go and check you know, Reddit a bunch for that thing. Uh, now it can just come to you in in Reader. And I just think it's so interesting how this app has really kind of grown wings beyond the RSS stuff, which it do- still does really well. And that's still definitely the core of it. But it's kind of become this hub for reading content on my phone. And it even has its own like built-in read it later service. I use a different one, but if you want that, it's also in there. It's really become like a a whole destination for reading web content and it looks awesome and it works really well. I've used it for such a long time and I can't imagine using something else. Yeah, it's funny. We did a whole show on that where we spent a lot of time going through all the options. And since we recorded that RSS show, I too have adopted Reader and that wasn't my main RSS app at the time, but you know, they just keep evolving the app so much. And when they added the iCloud support, I used it. You know, I canceled my Feed Wrangler account and I just now manage RSS through iCloud with Reader. And I've been doing that like a year and it's just worked fine. And it's just one less thing to pay for, one less thing to manage. And I've been super happy with it. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps to get 20% off your subscription. Both Stephen and I are big fans of 1Password and use it daily to manage our passwords, both with ourselves and our families. 1Password is a password manager plus, and by that plus, I mean it makes it easy for you to share your passwords with your family and coworkers, store confidential data, and otherwise protect your online privacy. Just recently, I had to go to the doctor, and I have a 1Password note with all my confidential medical information in it. So I just opened up 1Password in the doctor's office, gave him all the details of the medications I'm taking and what's going on, and took notes right there, and now I know that data is still with me in my pocket, but safe behind the 1Password vault. And the good news is we just got the new version of 1Password, 1Password version 8 with a modern design. There's a new vibrant sidebar and unified toolbar. Also, the typography and iconography all got brighter and better. There is a bunch of work in this new version, and there's a ton of little things that I really dig. They have a new interface called Quick Actions. It's like Spotlight or Alfred, but for your passwords. It's a floating panel that's always available, giving you access to all of your 1Password data wherever you need it. Quick Access is fully keyboard optimized and it's smart too, suggesting the most relevant logins for the active application. The new version also comes with the security and privacy guarantees you've come to expect from 1Password, along with new tools to keep you safer online. 
The new Watchtower dashboard makes it super simple to get a pulse on your security and see where you need to improve. And if you've never heard of Watchtower, it's a great feature in 1Password where it keeps track of the websites you have accounts for. So if they have a security breach, 1Password lets you know. You don't have to keep track of that stuff. 1Password does it for you. And they've even got a new feature that will allow you to fill passwords anywhere in your Mac. It's called Universal Autofill. So now you can use 1Password data in your applications as well as on the web. Does Zoom drive you crazy, requiring you to fill in your account details every time you log it? Well, with 1Password Autofill, that's no longer a problem. So check out the newest version of 1Password for your Mac and check out 1Password in general to help protect your privacy and security. I'm a 1Password for Family subscriber. We all use it in my family and it helps us every day. It can help you too. Head over to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps to get that discount. Once again, onepasswordcom MPU. And thank you, 1Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. Since we're on the topic of reading, I've got a couple apps I think I need to, to lump together here. Um, okay. The first one is Readwise, and this is a web service. We've talked about it at least once before on the show. But I just continue to love this service. So what Readwise does is it's a spaced repetition system for your highlights. And if you read books on Amazon Kindle, this is something you really want to pay attention to. Because I'm constantly reading books and I like to highlight them. Um, with, with Readwise, it's a service that you connect to your Amazon account. And then it pulls all the highlights for you and organizes them really nicely for you. And then you can export them out of Readwise as Markdown. It has a plugin with Obsidian, so I can have it automatically dump all my highlights into an Obsidian note on the book. But if you use Roam or many of the other services, it can do that too, or you can manually export them if you're a craft user. But just getting your highlights out makes it it makes it really easy. And then you they have an app on the iPhone that you can go to every day. And by default, it gives you five random highlights that you have picked over the years. I turn that up to 10 because I, I just love it. It's like my morning rituals. I go through Readwise and I look at 10 highlights from books I've read over the last, you know, 10 years I've been reading Amazon books and it just gives me random highlights from them. And maybe that sounds silly, but I find it a very good way to start the day. It reminds me of something that I thought was important five years ago when I read a book and suddenly it inspires me to do something a little better, or a little differently. And, uh, they, you know, the, the fancy nerds call it spaced repetition, but it's just a really good way to keep up with things you've read and make them more actionable in your life. And I, uh, I just, you know, it seems silly when I first signed up for it, I wasn't sure, but man, this one has really stuck with me readwise. Yeah, Readwise seems super cool. I, I've kind of been on a hunt for something to do with my Kindle highlights. I know there's an Obsidian plugin that can like pull them down and you have them as markdown. You can also use what and what I've been doing is the Kindle for Mac app, which is garbage with a capital G. It's so bad. Yeah. But yeah. you can export the highlights after you finish reading a book, and then I save them in, you know, Apple Notes or something. But Readwise keeps coming up and I, I want to check it out because I want to do more with my highlights. And I really like the idea of it bringing stuff that I've read. You know, I've got highlights on my Kindle dating back 10 years, 12 years, probably like having 
those things be surfaced over time just seems so interesting to me. And I would imagine and that it's been your experience that those sometimes spark new ideas, right? Or a new way of thinking about something that, you know, maybe you highlighted it for X reason five years ago, but now you have this whole new perspective through work or through changes at home, whatever it may be. And uh, that sounds really intriguing. Okay. So for a hippie moment this morning, because uh, I do this in the morning in my, in my day one journal, uh, I call it daily meditation. And it's a highlight I pull from Readwise usually. And today it was from a Ryan Holiday book. We will learn that through we think, I'm sorry, we will learn that though we think big, we must act and live small in order to accomplish what we seek. It's just hmm. a little highlight I pulled out of a book that I don't know how long ago I read this, but then I wrote a paragraph or two underneath about how I can act on that in my life, on that insight. And that kind of stuff, I think, helps. And Readwise is a great way to do it. Now, if you just want to get highlights out of your Amazon account. You know, if you have highlights on your Kindle books and you just want to export them, there's easier and cheaper ways to do it than Readwise. But for me, I think the the magic of Readwise is going in for the whole package, you know, using the spaced repetition and actually, you know, favoriting them and taking notes on them and, and trying to make it more actionable. Because too often we read books and then we don't, you know, we don't do anything with the information. This kind of forces you to act on it. Right. And then if you'd like another reading-related one, it's short form. Um, short form, I went through a spirit quest on finding book summary services uh, a year or two ago. There's a lot of them out there now where you pay a fee and they give you like a short version of a book. You know, This is particularly good for like productivity books and like books where a lot of times they've got a good idea that really only needs 20 pages, but they make 300 pages instead. <laughs> right. You know, and I don't look at this as a summary service so much as a filtering service. Um, we talk about books a lot on the focus podcast. Mike Schmitz like reads two books a week or something. He reads a lot. I just don't have enough time to do that, but I do hear about books and I wanted to find a service where I could get like a summary of the book before I read it. So like I could read the summary and say, Oh, I don't think that one's going to be any good for me. Or, Oh, I think that's probably enough of that concept for me. And then once in a while, one will really engage with me and then I'll go buy the book and read the whole book. And I went through a bunch of these services, but short form was the one that landed with me for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one is they have a great app. You know, if you go on the, uh, the iPhone, it's, it's actually on my home screen on my main home screen because, you know, anytime I have downtime, I can go through it and start reading something of interest to me. Uh, you know, like right now I'm going through the emperor of all maladies and, uh, I just, I'm reading a short version of it and the way they organize it, it has a, you know, couple page summary of the book as the first level. And then like a kind of 10 to 15 page summary of the book after that. So, uh, you get like the really high level then the slightly lower level. And the beauty of it is they also work with Readwise. So if I highlight something in short form, the highlight gets sent to Readwise. So I'm, I'm already, you can see how it's all, you know, the flywheel spinning now. Right. And, and then I can kind of collect that. Then if I read the book, 
then the highlights there also end up in Readwise. And ultimately that ends up in a note in Obsidian and part of Sparky OS. So the whole system works very nicely together. But short form is the one that I feel like does the best job of giving you a longer summary. Most of these services, the summaries are just too short. I feel like you don't get enough meat out of it. Hmm. Uh, short form gives you a longer version. And they've got all the other great features, the great app, the highlights with Readwise. And they're just constantly adding new ones. Uh, I, I'm a really a fan. I signed up for a year and then my renewal came up about a month ago and I paid for another year. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go check it out. Uh, I do have an affiliate with them, so I get a few bucks if you sign up for it, but that's not the reason I'm telling you about it. It's just really, to, in my mind, the best one of, of the bunch. And I use it to, uh, when I hear about a good book everybody's talking about, usually it's already in short form. So I'll read the short version and decide if I'm going to go in all with it. But but I particularly like the iPhone app because I can read those summaries anywhere. You know, like if we're in the family room and the kids are watching some dumb reality TV, but I don't want to leave the room, I'll just read a summary in short form. All right. I want to talk about uh, an app that I'm not sure we have mentioned on Mac Power Users before, but it's Keep It Mobile. So Keep It is uh, an application that's also on the Mac. And it's kind of like a it's kind of in between something like Apple Notes and something like Devon Think. And so you can use it just for your regular notes and it supports plain text and markdown and rich text, but you can also keep files in it. So PDFs, images, whatever you may need. And it's tool set is far smaller than something like Devon Think, which is, you know, this big, massive, uh, but super important to my workflow application. But it is a bit more than just a regular notes app because some of the organization it has is pretty nice. It all syncs with iCloud, which is cool. And the mobile app in particular has gotten some love recently. And, and this, like I said, it's not an app that I have a big use for, but it's one that I keep my eye on and I keep it on my phone to kind of keep up with it because I think it's a really kind of interesting middle ground. And so if you're looking for something to file away some files, sort of in, a, in an application, but you're not really happy with what's out there, maybe you feel like they're, they're not powerful enough or they're too powerful, I would check it out. The iPad app in particular, I know we're talking about iPhone versions, but the iPad app did get some really cool keyboard support for quickly filing files, like from the inbox into different folders. And I think it's it's some of the most clever... Uh, keyboard work that I've seen for that sort of task. And so I think it's uh, I think it's pretty cool. And I think if you are, you know, like you the use that I see for this for me and and what what I may end up using it for to keep it to keep it around is for manuals for stuff in my house, right? I like to download manuals for my appliances and, you know, uh, car manuals and whatever uh that sort of action i think is that sort of stuff is really useful and keep it and so uh, i just kind of want to shine a little light on it today yeah I w- i've always kind of viewed this app as kind of like dev and think light yeah right? yeah know? um it definitely doesn't have all the tools of dev and think but it is kind of scratching a similar itch where and these are particularly good on iphone and ipad where there's an app that brings its own file system to the game 
and you know you store files in it on your Mac, and you see the same thing through usually iCloud Sync on your devices, and you can do things with it. Like you can make moves to files that's easier inside Keep It than it is to do that in the Files app on the iPhone and the iPad. And they're in essence capitalizing on Apple's Apple's failure to really build a good file manager on the mobile devices. And they're giving you an alternative one. And you just keep that stuff in that bucket and then you can do things to it. And that's a category of app and and keep it. I'm with you. I, I always keep an eye on it. I've got a license for it and I occasionally play with it. But, but to be honest, I'm I'm more in the Devon Think camp. And uh, I like all the stuff Devon Think does. But same. Total total same. Uh, but if you look at Devon Think, you're like, oh, that's too much. I think keep it is probably a good solution. Yeah. Yeah. I think it fits in in sort of that middle ground really nicely. And it looks really nice. Like it's it's very like modern iOS. A lot of stock controls, which I think look the best. Uh impressive little app. And another thing about Keep It uh is it's not a fly by night like Johnny come lately. It's been around a long time. I think it was called Keep It Together before. Yeah. Uh reinvented software. Yeah, it's been around a long time. So this is an app that has a long history behind it, has developers that are clearly in it for the long haul. And uh, so you're not getting something that's going to flake out on you next month. Well, we, we've spoken about Devon think now, so let, let's talk, let's talk about Devon think. Yeah. That's the other <laughs> pairing. I mean, Devon think is on here. It is one of my favorite iPhone apps. Um, it is getting it, the developers of Devon think have been working very hard on making the mobile app better. You know, DevonThink is a, a another app with a long history on the Mac. It's been around a long time. They have evolved and made cloud storage work and given us mobile versions. It gives me the ability to do things like, um, you know, apply tags in DevonThink on my phone and then have rules inside DevonThink on my Mac work on the files for me. This is the kind of stuff that I wish Apple had built in, but it just never really got there. Mm-hmm. So Devon Think is kind of like with Keep It, an alternative file system. Uh, I would say this is more so on the iPad than the iPhone, but it's there. And with the iPhone version, it's just like drafts. You can quickly capture stuff in it. Not as fast as drafts, but you can capture things in it. And they sync across. Um, and because I have like all of my records and stuff in a encrypted password protected Devon Think database, Whenever I'm out in the world and someone says, hey, I need your insurance info or whatever, it's all in Devon Think for me. I don't put that stuff just in naked iCloud. I put it in a Devon Think encrypted library. And so long as you get that first sync done with your iPhone, it works pretty great. Yeah, I primarily use Devon Think on the Mac. Uh, I'm going to put a link to a blog post I wrote last week about uh, a little Devon Think journey I went on looking for yeah. a very specific fact about an obscure old operating system that no one rem- remembers. But that that is a funny blog post. I recommend <laughs> everybody read it. But, Thank you. <laughs> but, but also just your library of Mac history runs deep. I'm at some point I expect someone at Apple's going to start calling you and asking for a copy of that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, they had a historian job open a few years ago. A bunch of people sent me. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going. Yeah. But yeah, You can't um, go inside, man. You got to stay outside. Yeah. But the iPhone and iPad have, definitely have come a long way. They were not fantastic in the past, but they're they're really much better now. 
And I primarily use it on the phone as like um, as a way to get things into DevonThink through their extension. So if I read something on Twitter or in my RSS reader and I think I want to keep this, you know, long term in my research library, their extension lets you save things to DevonThink. You can select the format you want. I'm a big fan of using web archives. I'll use PDFs if I have to, but web archives are nice too. You can select the type of file you want it to, to save as, where you want it to go on a pretty fluid workflow. And then it'll sync. And I know next time I'm at my Mac that that article or piece of information will be, uh, you know, where I told it to go. And, and for me, it's been, it's been nice because before, before this, like if I had to save something for research purposes later, like I'd bookmark it or I'd email it to myself or I'd save it in something like Instapaper or good links and being able to save directly into DevonThink has been a really nice way to like take some, some friction out of that workflow for me. Yeah. And it's just like, there's a reassuring feeling with Dev and think that you just know you own the data when you put it in there, right? It's on your drive. Doesn't rely on somebody else's cloud. It's just there and you can do whatever you want with it. And it's never going away. I, I find that, I find that very reassuring. Okay. Uh, another one on my list I guess since we're kind of talking productivity apps, I just have to mention it. They were a longtime sponsor of the show. They're, they haven't been now for several years, but OmniFocus just continues to get the job done for me. There are so many task managers out there, but I continue to really dig all of the bells and whistles that is OmniFocus. And when I use it, that's another one. I, I can't not mention it on this episode because I use it every day. What are you doing for your tasks? Uh, to doist. Okay. Yeah, I've been there a long time, and anytime I try something else, it lures me back in. Really, for a couple of reasons, uh, the natural language processing is just so good. <laughs> it's so good. I can type something, especially on the phone, when you know. Often, like I'll be totally honest, I'm in a hurry trying to add something, you know, to my to my inbox for later or directly to a project. So I can type in, you know, um, text David about trip and I can do, I can type that out. I can type literally the English word today or tomorrow or next Wednesday. And it figures that out. I can do a pound sign and then the list name. I can do tags, uh, everything just within the text field. And especially on the phone, that is such a killer thing for me. Um, but even on the Mac, like I just, I don't want to have to check a bunch of boxes to do this kind of works for me. Um, and the sync has been rock solid for me for a long time. I've got a lot of projects, a lot of tasks, a lot of repeating tasks, and I've never had it, uh, barf on the, uh, on the sync side of things. Yeah. Well, with all these changes in my life, there's actually some slack in my task system now. Like I, it's not as critical as it used to be like before, like I'd have a client where we'd have to terminate a lease in three years on a certain day of the month in order for the termination to stick like that. That's the kind of stuff I would have an OmniFocus because it just did that. And I don't have those kinds of tasks anymore. Mm -hmm. So there is room for me to try something different. In fact, I'm doing some surveys of other task managers in the labs right now, but at least at this moment in time, I still find OmniFocus to be 
just so good for yeah. what I for just about anything I do. I don't know if maybe at some point I'll move on, but the um it just seems like it's going to be really hard. I don't understand why a bunch of other apps don't copy stuff they do like mm-hmm. the the space review and some of the stuff they do, but they don't and uh yeah. The Omni group just keeps making it. So And something like the review, I've implemented on top of Todoist. <laughs> like I have a repeating task every Friday afternoon. Yeah. called review to doist now that's just me looking through my projects it's not at all what omnifocus has where you can say i want to review this project every week or i want to review yeah. this one quarterly or this one annually you have all those parameters yeah um and i mean i know i'm not on the focus podcast but i'll pretend that i am for a second like review is such an important part of task management because not only does it it does two things for me it helps me catch things that I've already done or that have maybe have changed in the real world, but haven't been, those changes have been reflected into Doist, right? So maybe it's called David about trip, but you know, maybe I also thought, Oh, I need to also talk to him about our membership annual special, but that's still in my head. But when I go through my MPU project and I see that task of talk to David about X and it reminds me of why it gives me a chance to put Y in there and that just checking in is really important but it also gives you an opportunity gives me an opportunity to judge past steven about what he's put in his to-do list and there are times where i'm doing a review and i had an idea for something so i put it in a project and maybe a week or two weeks or three weeks later it's still in there maybe it doesn't have a date maybe it's just kind of floating at the bottom and I realize the idea is not that good or something that I just don't yeah. want to do or I don't have time for. And it lets me purge ideas, Yeah, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's so useful no matter what app you're using, using Apple reminders. I mean, whatever you do, you can do a review. I think it's, it's critical to how I think and work. Yeah. One, one of the best things about review is, is killing a project when you're like, okay, you know what? This is just never going to get done. So I need to just give up on it or, no, this hasn't been getting done. I need to really make this a priority now if this is going to happen. And I don't know. I just feel like there's there's a lot to like about OmniFocus. The, and the Omni Group is a very nice group of very smart people that are spending all of their time making a task manager. So, of course, it's going to be good, and it continues to be good. So, anyway, anybody who's ever listened to the show knows that that's an important app to me, but I felt like I couldn't go without mentioning it because I'm still using it. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Sourcegraph. So you've hired a brilliant new developer for your team. That's great, but now you have to get them onboarded. If your company is growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence. That's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges here is for new hires to get up to speed with the project their new team has already been working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move quickly, even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is the most useful when it's findable. Centralization can help, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, well, how do you make knowledge accessible to those who need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph delivers... Uh, what developers need to drive their own learning and their own time in a bunch of different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph have to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation 
which is both cumbersome and time-consuming. But with SourceGraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know that it's the big stuff that's worthy of extra time. SourceGraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today SourceGraph is working with leading companies across every industry, including three of the five big top tech companies. Plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and more. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. There's a link in the show notes. Let them know you heard about them here on Mac Power Users. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world are using SourceGraph and to see what SourceGraph can do for you. Our thanks to SourceGraph for their support of Mac Power Users and Relay FM. So, Stephen, I think it's about your turn. What, what do you got? Yeah, I want to uh, I want to talk about an app that brings me it just brings me joy that it exists, right? Uh, and this app is called Bricket. So we've gone from task managers to managing Lego. It's kind of the same thing. Bricket is this. Ama- I mean, the the engineer behind it is amazing to me. So. You know, maybe you've got kids or grandkids, you're listening to this. Like we all know like the pile of Lego that ends up in the middle of like the house, right? Like we all have it. And as a kid, my favorite thing was to like build stuff that wasn't in the directions, right? Like I'd get the set and I'd build a space shuttle or whatever, and then I'd tear it down and do something else with it. That's the joy of Lego. Yeah. Bricket is an, an iPhone app that brings some structure to that sort of thing. So you can have a pile of Lego and you spread them out and you point your iPhone camera at it. And it, through object recognition and machine learning, looks at all the pieces you have and suggests things you can build with them and then gives you step-by-step directions on how to build them. So you may see a pile of loose Lego, but it sees, oh, you can build this really cool truck out of them or you can make a giraffe or whatever it is. I don't know how, I mean, I've read their stuff. I've, they have this cool video on their website. You should go watch. But like the fact that this works seems amazing to me. And it's like the coolest use of, I guess this is kind of AR, but definitely one of the coolest uses of machine learning. One of the most fun uses of it. Yes. I'm downloading it now. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't know about this. It's amazing. But what's really cool about it. And the part that just makes me happy and like smile when I think about it and talk about it is that Bricket is also a community so on their uh, website, I think you can do it in the app as well. You can upload images of wacky stuff you've built and it will go, you know, they look through them and they, uh, I guess they approve. I'm sure they, they have some sort of process there, but they end up in their library of things you can build. And so if you have this, like, I don't know, kind of like space octopus that you built once, well, that could be in the Bricket library. And some kid somewhere could like point an iPhone at a bunch of Lego and then build the thing you created because he had, you know, the right number of pieces that were required. It's so cool and so fun. And I like the community aspect of it. I just, I love it all the way around. Yeah. If I had room, I would, I could become one of those adults that has a bunch of Lego, but I don't have room for it. But I, uh, but we do always have extra pieces around. Uh, just over Mother's Day, we had my nephew over, and him and I were building some Lego together, and there were extra pieces. This is great. I am, uh, I'm, I'm in. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, try it next time. Uh, you've got little ones over. I think it could be could be fun. Yeah, because there's always some extra pieces, right? Always. Yeah, we got a giant bucket of them here. <laughs> All right. So this next category is is a weird one for me. I like having a Twitter app. I mean, Twitter is probably the social media platform I use the most. And, uh, you know, I guess apparently there's some news around Twitter. I haven't, I, I don't know what the whole story is. Some guy, some dude bought it. I don't know who he is. Yeah, we, but we can the, leave it at that. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. But, but my controversy with Twitter is which app do I use to run Twitter? And this has been a merry-go-round for me for the last year. You know, I said, well, I should just learn to use the actual Twitter app because, you know, that's the one that should have all the features in it. And I don't like it. I, I mean, it's just like there are mentions for me there that I don't see. And it's just like, I don't know what's going on with that app, but I can't seem to get my head wrapped around the way it works. You know, um, am I alone in this? Do you, what's your opinion of the, the native Twitter app? It's not great. Uh, I think it's, I think it's way too busy. Like you have the the trends and everything and like you can you just can just not look at some of it but the thing that i don't like about it is that in your list of replies you also see people that liked your tweet or people that retweeted your tweet and like i just don't care about any of that and i really just want to see my replies and and that's it and twitter wants you know hashtag engagement so they put these other things in the timeline, you know, you'll be scrolling through. And it's like, these are accounts you should follow. It's like, well, if I wanted to follow them, I would have chosen to follow them or I would have searched them out. Right. Or, uh, topics you can, you can follow topics now. Right. And so I opened actually the official Twitter app the other night and, uh, the Grizzlies have been playing the warriors in the NBA finals. There's like a bunch of basketball stuff. I was like, well, I have a basketball list, like a private list of a bunch of basketball reporters and players and stuff that like, there's a game. I'll go check out that list. I don't want it sort of spilling out into the other areas. And the Twitter app just wants chaos all the time. And I, I, I I don't like it. I don't like the official app. Yeah. I don't know why, but I just can't seem to get that app to work for me. And I think it's partly because I was, I've been a Twitter member since like 2007 or whenever it first started. And so I kind of use it in a historical way where I just want a list of tweets from my friends and to know if somebody has mentioned me, if there's something I need to deal with, right? It's That's kind of how I use Twitter. So I keep going back to Twitterific and TweetBot. Mm-hmm. And currently, uh, TweetBot is ahead, but I find Twitterific a little more uh, delightful, but TweetBot a little more kind of just like easier to use and more basic for me. Yeah. But I, I can't seem to find my Twitter happy place. I wish I just was, you know, loved one app and, and was done with this. So I guess for this show, I want a Twitter app, but I don't know which Twitter app to use. Yeah. I've used Tweetbot forever. The current version of Tweetbot's really nice on the iPhone and the Mac version is old. <laughs> like doesn't have all the features that iPhone one has. They moved the yeah. iPhone one to subscription a couple years ago and, the way Tweetbot just works clicks with me. And so that's the one that I've primarily used for a long time. I do not like Twitterifics. It's sort of like main feature for a long time was the unified timeline, right? It's like, oh, all of your replies 
for people you who who you follow and people you who you don't follow, they're all in one place. And yeah. Like that has just always been a little strange for me. I also really don't care for some of the UI conventions in Twitterific. Uh where I, I do really like the way kind of Tweetbot is laid out and the way that it works. But I am always nervous about the future of third-party applications with Twitter. For a long time, they embraced them. In fact, Craig Hockenberry, who was on the show not long ago, like he came up with a lot of the language, like the word tweet. Like a, a lot of that stuff came yeah. from the community. He wrote the first Twitter client. Uh, it was a, a menu bar Mac app for the longest time. It was a jailbreak app before the App Store. Like Twitterific has been around a long time. Tweetbot's been around a long time. Twitter owes a lot of success to those, a lot of its success to those applications and developers, but then they basically turned them away several years ago, and now they have a new API, and they're slowly adding things. So, so you will notice if you use these applications, they do not have all the features that Twitter itself has. Like, if you want to do a thread, it you can do it in those other apps, but it's harder, it's way easier to do in the main Twitter app. You can't do polling, a lot of stuff, because it's not in the API for other developers to use. And that makes for a nicer experience because that API, like it also doesn't include ads, right? Like it's it's yeah, nice not yeah. to see a bunch of ads on Twitter, but uh, you just never know what that future holds. And with their new ownership, I mean, who even knows what's going to happen with it? But I always have that in the back of my mind of like, is this like is this ride over at some point? Are we going to be all forced into the main app? I hope not, but it's always a possibility. Well, with all my experiments, my kind of conclusion is I like Tweetbot the best, but it's not something I'm overjoyed to use. Mm -hmm. And you're right, the Mac app isn't good. And uh, if I had to, I guess I would go to the native or the the you know the native Twitter app. But for now, I guess I'll be sticking with Tweetbot too. Yeah. What do you got next? Oh man, let's uh, let's talk about some uh, maybe some like time and scheduling apps okay uh, so i want to talk about uh an app called elsewin uh this is an app that is uh developed by some folks in the relay fm membership discord and it does a couple of things uh it's primary feature uh, there's really two there's really two primary features i think you can create a time code for use in discord so Discord has a really cool feature that if you know the right um, type of language, uh, you can have a times show up in the person who's reading it in their local time zone. So for me, it would say 12.57 p.m., but for David, it would say 10.57 a.m. And there's just like a short code you have to do in Discord to make that happen. Anyways, Elswin makes it really easy to create the create those codes and then copy them and paste them into Discord. So you can say, hey, I'm doing a live recording of this and this at this time, and the person reading it sees, in, sees it in their local time zone. So they don't have to do the math, which is really cool. Yeah, and it came from our community. That makes it yeah, even better. Yeah, which is really awesome. Uh, the other big feature is you can create a list of time zones and then create like a block of text to share on social media. So, hey, we're recording live at... 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, you know, 7 p.m. British summertime, uh, whatever time that is in Australia. I can't do that much math in my head. 
And it's like really formatted re- really nicely. You can use little flag emojis in it, uh, so people can like quickly scan and see you know their their time zone to where they are. It's just a great little utility for dealing with times and time zones. And there's a lot of apps that do the time zone stuff. Uh, there's a really cool one in beta right now that I've been playing with. But Elsewin is the only thing I've seen that makes the Discord stuff really easy to do. And it's been on my phone since it was in beta, and uh, it's great. And if you're in Discord a bunch or just have to deal with time zones a bunch, uh, it's a it's a fun way to share those with other people. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, on calendar stuff, I've got two. Uh, okay. The first is my daily driver calendar is fantastic, Hal. Again, this shouldn't surprise anybody. We This has come up on the show in the past, but I would like to note that they've recently added a quarterly view, and that's really nice. Not particularly great on the phone because it's such a small screen, but on iPad and Mac, having a quarterly view is awesome. And, you know, this is a, I feel like Fantastic Cal drafts. There's some apps out there that successfully switch to a subscription model where, as a user, we're seeing benefits from it, you know, where the developers are just really putting the gas down on continuing to add new features. And, you know, Fantastic Cal is right up there with good players in the subscription model. And uh, it just continues to be my favorite calendar of choice. I, I use it every day. And, I really like the widget on the iPhone. It's I use the large size widget on my main screen on my iPhone. It just has a list of all of my appointments for the day, and I uh, I really dig it. I think they're uh, they're doing a great job of making the iPhone app and continuing to make it better. And honorable mention would go to an app called Sorted. Uh, I think it's version three now, Sorted three, and I talk a lot about block scheduling. Sorted is an app really generated around block scheduling where you put in, say, like, I'm going to write a paper that takes two hours and do a, you know, mow the lawn and that'll take one hour and blah, blah, blah. And you say what time you're going to start and it automatically sorts your calendar, your day into blocks for you. And so it's a combination task manager calendar app. And it's it's a very unique take. I've just never seen anything like it before. Every time I mention it on a show, I hear from several people are like, really, really get into it from my mention. They try it out and they love it. Um, It's not quite right for me because I really like those blocks that I do in Fantastical and I adjust the blocks to match the day. And it just, it's a little bit too cumbersome for the way I manage my day. But um, it's very close to the line for something I could just fall into and do everything and sort it as well. So check out. If you're not into like a traditional calendar app, Sorted might be the exact thing you're looking for. Like I actually could see Sorted working for you. You know, I think I played with it at some point. We've talked about it in the past, but I don't remember why it didn't stick now. But I I also just use the stock calendar app. So (laughs) I'm not not fancy enough. Well, I am very fancy when it comes to calendars. (laughs) It's it's true. (laughs) Um, my last sort of scheduling app, I'm going to slip it in here, is uh, it's really a classic. Uh, it's Do, D-U-E. Uh, pe- people probably know this app because tons of people talk about it. It's really great because it will bother you forever until you do something. And so I use it for like a very common use case for medication. So we got a medication at the same time, morning and evening. And it reminds me, hey, take nighttime meds 
And if I don't do it, it's going to send me another notification in 15 minutes and another notification in 15 minutes. And I am one who, I have my notifications pretty trimmed down. I don't, I got a lot of apps that can't, can't notify me or can only send me a notification in the summary feature, you know, at set times of the day. But do is one that like, I know if I see it, then it's something important. I really only have a handful of things in do. I, I, I'm not one that keep my whole task manager in here. Like I know people do like take the trash out, a bunch of other stuff. Mine is really like a handful of really time critical things. And that repeating reminder is, is just fantastic. And you can set a ton of parameters so you can, of course you can say, okay, remind me of this task only on set days or at set times, but you can even customize the repetition. So, Hey, if I haven't done this, remind me again in 15 minutes or remind me again in 30 minutes. And when you go to snooze something, so say that it's telling me to take medication, but I'm not home, right? I don't have it with me, but I need to take it when I get home. If I know I'm going to be home in an hour, I can say just on my watch or from the notification on the iPhone lock screen, remind me again in an hour. So I don't get the interleaving three or four or 15 minute intervals, but an hour it's going to remind me again. It's like, it's kind of like how we talked about day one. It is a task manager and you can use it as one, but it's really like focused and honed in around how can notifications be really useful and or really annoying uh, to make sure that something gets done. And, uh, it's been around like some of these others for a long time. It's seen a lot of iteration over the years and it's, uh, it's just a great little app. Yeah. I, I, even though I talked about OmniFocus earlier, I, I use do as well. I think there's like categories of problems in your life that really fit well with do like medication. Another one is, um, spousal harmony i'll say like you know and i i think i've mentioned this on the show before but there was a couple things i was doing or not doing that was driving my wife nuts like you know she does so much around the house it's not that hard for me to make sure the trash cans are out every thursday night or something like that so so i just made a list of those things where she i felt like she kept saying hey did you do that and i'm like you know it shouldn't be her job to like keep track of whether her, you know, her scatterbrained husband did stuff like that. So I put all that stuff in do, and now I do them. She doesn't have to worry about it. And, <laughs> uh, and we have a better marriage for that. There you go. All right. So let's go. Can we go into photos for a minute? Yeah. There's, there's a great app to alter photos called touch retouch. And I, I don't know how many years I've had this, but I keep finding uses for it. And what it does is give you a real easy way to make adjustments to an image. Like you can take a picture of your dog and remove the leash. Or if you take a picture of uh, your significant other and there's a big power line or a pole behind, you can just erase it. And it's literally just a question of swiping your finger over the thing. And it does a really good job. I have no idea how it works, but <laughs> I keep using it. And, you know, it, it's a feature that's it's kind of in photos, but not really. It, it's done much better with touch retouch and it plugs into photos. So if you use, you know, the feature in photos where you send an image to an external app, it'll work with the photos that way. I think I paid less than $5 for it. And I suspect a few years ago, this was probably a thousand dollar program. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I definitely spent time in college learning how to do this in Photoshop. <laughs> and 
And now it's like, yeah, just drag your thumb across the thing and the iPhone just gets rid of it. It's like, come on, this was so much work in the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got it on my phone as well. I, when I use it, I use it through that edit extension because I can just stay in photos and very quickly make that change. It's, it is really cool. Another one that I really like for photos, and it's kind of related, is called Picture This. And it is where you take a picture of a plant and it tells you the name of the plant. Are you a gardener, Stephen? I don't think we've ever talked about this on the show. My wife is. Um, okay. And I recently showed her the, there's the iOS feature now that does this. I think Picture This does probably a much wider, better job at it. But yeah. I did show her recently in photos that if you have a picture of a flower and it knows it's a flower, you get this little icon. You can tap and it says, this is a, you know, whatever. But it's much yeah. more Mary's thing than mine. Yeah, well, picture this, this does a really good job of it. And I, I like to work on the yard and I like gardening. And I live in a very dry climate that's very hot sometimes. So there's not a lot of stuff that grows here. But because we go to Disneyland the Disneyland landscape architects are like the best of the best. So whenever I see a plant that's doing well there, the climate, you know, it's only 30 minutes from my house. The climate's the same. So I will use picture of this to start cataloging what they are planting and then make decisions at my house based on that. And picture of this will show, well, all you do is take a picture of a leaf or a tree or a bush and it tells you what it is. It shows you other versions of it. It tells you how to take care of it. And it's just, you know, it's just a great little like photo related app that I have really fallen in love with. Mine for this category is written by a friend of ours, Casey Liss, and it's called Masquerade, but it's spelled like mask, M-A-S-K, Masquerade. And Masquerade is really, it's one of those apps that like, it seems so simple to use, but I know that it was so much work to make it work well. But it lets you add emoji to images. And by default, you get the smiley face, but you can pay like three bucks and get any emoji that's in the system. And Casey's original use for it and sort of the pitch for it is you can use it to hide people's faces. So if you're a parent and you don't want your kids' faces on your social media accounts or you're a teacher or you're a foster parent, you know, there's lots of people, lots of situations where you may not want to share someone's face. Uh, I know Casey shared on a podcast recently that he had heard from journalists who were using it to obscure people's faces, like in the background of a photo that, you know, maybe they didn't want to be uh, photographed. Lots of uses for it, but you can also do like funny things with it because the second you can add emoji to images, things get hilarious. And so really cool. Um, it uses Apple's machine learning stuff to on device to place the emoji over the faces. So if you just want to do it automatically, you can do it automatically and then just export the photo back to your photos library for posting on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Um, and it's just really polished, really well thought through. And, uh, you know, I know it's our buddy who makes it, but it is, it really is fantastic. And if you've ever, you know, been in Instagram stories and you're trying to like draw a circle over someone's face or like put a sticker over it, like masquerade, does it automatically it's really fast and it uses apple's emoji set which looks really nice and if you pay to unlock it which you should then you get all like the emotional like emoji faces not just smiling right so you can do some fun stuff with that um it's really really fun really nice and uh and uh i was happy to see him develop this because 
I don't post pictures of my kids on social media. And if I were, I'd want to occlude their faces. And now I've got a nice way to do it if it comes up. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Go to indeed.com slash MPU and get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post. There are no winners when you play the waiting game. When it comes to hiring, don't wait for great talent to find you. Find them first with Indeed. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Indeed Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Instant Match really is incredible. It'll just make hiring that much faster when you can see those candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after your post. So you just post for a job, then you find a candidate. It's awesome. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring partner, delivering four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talentness 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash MPU. This offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash MPU. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Paper qualified applicant is not available for all users. You need to hire, you need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So one thing that the the iPhone is really a great companion for is exercise and fitness. And even though the Apple Watch is sort of the tracker, a lot of those experiences just work so much better on the phone, right? Um, yeah. And there's a bunch of good things out there. I know you and I are both fans of Apple's fitness plus, and that's on the iPhone now in the fitness app itself, which is cool. Uh, in fact, I did, uh, probably like a week ago I had gone for a walk and then I want to do like a, a cool down session, but my iPad was like, I couldn't find my iPad. Like it was in my office or something it, anyway. So I just like, Oh, I have it on my phone. So, okay. I set my phone up like on the, <laughs> like on the table on our back porch and did a cool down session. But a couple of other apps beyond Apple's. Uh, one I think we both hold on, had on our list is called Happy Scale, which is a weight tracking program that really I think its strength is data visualization. And so you can put your weight in over time and you know put it on a chart and see you know your your progress in one direction or the other. But you can also set milestones. And so say that you want to be at you know x number in eight weeks it can divide that up and tell you what you need to do a week to hit that and then chart your progress against those milestones over time all like a very visually rich nice way for me at least is very helpful to see over time you know what those numbers are doing and of course it it syncs that data with uh health kit and so if i you know type in my 
uh, weight because I don't have a smart scale. I used to, but it died. So now I have like a drugstore, like just plain, simple, cheap scale. I can pick up my phone, type in the number, and it's going to sync to, you know, any other apps that deal with health kit. Yeah, I mean, you could track your weight in a spreadsheet. It's You don't oh, need yeah. an app for it, but this app is so good at it. And and I want to second the nomination. <laughs> the interval stuff is really good for me because I'm actually trying to lose weight right now. And working toward my intervals is a lot easier than trying to work towards my ultimate target. Oh, yeah. And um, I just, and even just the kind of the delightful nature of the app. I mean, for a lot of us, you know, weight is a source of aggravation. But having a little happy scale that greets you as you put it just makes the process a little less painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I you turned me on this app, and I am I'm a fan. Yeah, and it's developed by like a single person, uh, which I which I, I tend to gravitate towards those apps because it's like like so so many others we've talked about it. There's a real theme here, listener. Like David and I are both attracted to applications that are built by one person that are narrow but deep. And I feel like yeah. Happy Scales, yet another example of that. And the other advantage of these small developers is they're just way less likely to get creepy with your data. Like I'm not putting my my weight data into Happy Scale and worried about them selling it or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And like in the next kind of app in this health category for me is Food Noms, and Food Noms is a is a is a food tracker, you know, where you can put in what you eat every day and keep track of how many calories you eat, or if you're doing intermittent fasting, it keeps track of that. It it just does a really nice job of the basic task of food tracking. And the reason I landed on Food Noms is because for years I used another app that was a big kind of developed app. And then over the years, it just got worse and worse. Like like every time I open it up, like, well, you should read this article about this or you should sign up for our other program. And then like everything in that app was getting about, you know, selling me other stuff. And it was getting harder and harder just to track, you know, what I ate for breakfast Whereas Food Noms is, again, a single developer, small app that's just a simple food tracker. And it's really well done. And they have a Mac app, too. So if I eat lunch at my desk, I can record my my food on my Mac or on my iPhone, and it just works. My final entry here uh, is FitBod. They are a sponsor of MPU and other relay fm shows but i paid for my own membership through it and it is a like you hear in the ad reads it is a uh exercise routine application and so i use it for weight training so i interlace my workouts between like a bike ride or a walk and lifting weights in my garage uh because i took my all the money i used to spend at the gym and sunk it into a bunch of equipment in the corner of my garage now and it tracks that stuff over time. Uh, so it increases your weight and reps as you uh, are successful in the previous numbers. You can adjust all the workouts. So say that it suggests deadlifts, but you're just not feeling it that day. Or maybe that equipment you normally have at home, maybe your wife is using it at the time, so you don't have access to it. You can say, oh, I want to do something else here. Really customizable. And uh, the iPhone app is great. I do wish they ha- they had a iPad version because I would use it on my iPad mini, but, uh, the iPhone, you know, I can just, I can look at it and sit it down and, uh, and then do the exercise and pick it back up. And I imagine most people do this sort of stuff with a phone, but, um, it's been great for me and I've used it really consistently this year and been really happy with it. 
Yeah, the other thing I like about that app is you can put in a list of your equipment and it builds a program around what you have. Yes. So, you know, and then like if you're on the road in a hotel room and say, well, I don't have any equipment, then it makes you like a body weight version where mm-hmm. you just use your body weight. So I, I, I like, I feel like that's one of the, you know, one of the best apps out there for custom well, workout routines. Anything else on the health category here? I think we've kind of covered those. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, this is a, a really rich, like a really rich category. And I think, did we do an episode on health apps? I feel like we did, or we talked about it. Um, fitness apps and tech. Yes, we did episode 467. So I'll throw that in yeah. the show notes as well. If you want to go further down that rabbit hole. Yeah. One that doesn't really fit in a category, but I use all the time on my phone is dark noise. Yeah. It's just a, Another single app developer, kind of white noise generator. But I, I like the thunderstorm sound, but there's a bunch of others too. If you just find yourself working somewhere and you want noise in the background, uh, I, I spent too much time in bands as a kid. And as a result, I have the tinnitus where I can always hear the ringing. Mm-hmm. So I really don't like silence and uh, dark noise is a constant companion. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, it's on the iPad and Mac as well, and you can mix sounds. And so the one that I use is uh, heavy rain with some brown noise in it. And something about that combination just really works for me, especially like if I'm trying to sleep um, and either can't fall asleep or like in the before times, like trying to sleep on a plane or sitting in an airport lounge or something where it's kind of loud. That's a, like a, a good combination for me. And it looks incredible. I think he's done a great job with the design. Uh, the app's like main color is like dark purple, which you wouldn't think would work, but it totally does. Like it's really nice looking and it is by far the best white noise generator. I went through a bunch of them on the iPhone before dark noise came out. And most of them, dear listener are not good. Um, they're either kind of like scammy apps or like this, they don't feel very native or I tried one is like every single sound was a different in-app purchase. I was like, I, I, can, I don't want to do that. Like I just want to have yeah. all the sounds that your app has and dark noise like gets it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really solid. Yeah. And it's also very automation friendly. So if you like to use focus mode, like when you set a focus mode, you can have it automatically start playing. It's funny because that was an app category that existed for years, but there wasn't a clear winner, and then there was. I've got a, another one that's sort of a sort of a standalone, um, or or I guess maybe like a a small category, um, and it is uh, Parcel, which is a delivery tracking app. For a long time, this was dominated by an app called Deliveries, but. Uh, Deliveries, it seemed like, had kind of slowed, slowed down on the de- on its development. And then the developer had a blog post uh, back in April basically saying that, hey, the future of this app is really unknown because a lot of uh, shipping companies like FedEx or UPS or whatever are clamping down on the information that is needed to put this in a third-party app. And they're going to build, you know, FedEx has said they're going to build their own system for this where you just like do it on the FedEx app. And, uh, and so delivery seems like maybe it's fading a little bit, but, and that may happen to partial. I mean, if FedEx turns off whatever method they use to track your packages, partial will be in trouble, but for now it's fantastic. And it does 
killer thing for me is you can log into Amazon within Parcel and it can pull things shipped from Amazon by Amazon. And so like in my neighborhood, at least a lot of places in the US, Amazon does its own deliveries now. They have their own trucks and some other uh, apps don't play well with with that. And Parcel just does it real natively. And it even does a thing where like Amazon shipped it, but then the post office took it over and they're going to deliver it at the end of the day then Parcel can automatically switch and pick up the postal service tracking and replace the Amazon tracking. It's all very smooth, and it's like $3 a year. It's uh, In fact, my subscription just renewed, I think, two days ago, and I was happy to do it because I use it a lot. And uh, and it just, it, it, see, it's not as polished as deliveries. Like, deliveries, deliveries is prettier, but... At this point, you know, it seems like the developer of deliveries kind of kind of see the writing on the wall, and that made me sad. But at least we have an alternative for now. For now, <laughs> you know, that, that does scare me that these uh, shipping companies are going to all require you to get their app yeah, to get that. shipping updates. Ugh, you know, it's going to be messier than that, right? It's going to be terrible. Get, yeah, it's. <laughs> But yeah, I, I feel like everybody's kind of that's keeping track of this stuff has switched over to Parcel at this point. I have too. Yep. Um, although, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't really care that much about shipping times. Like when I order something off Amazon, generally, I don't care. It gets here when it gets here. The only time I really pay attention is like if I get a new computer from Apple or something and then I'm watching it like a hawk. But uh, for most stuff, I don't really keep that. I'm not that intense about keeping track of when they're going to arrive, mm-hmm. but I, I work from home. You know, if you work at, you know, if you go to work every day, you definitely want to know what days yeah. things are going to land on your porch. I am. Um, uh, what I'd like to mention is uh, encrypt.me. A lot of people write me and ask, are you doing VPN and what VPN service are you using? Uh, I don't know. Six, seven months ago, I switched to encrypt.me. And it has been working really great. And I got it as part of my, what did I get it as part of? I pay. It's part of Eero, I think. The paid Eero thing. I pay for the Eero thing. And that's so I got it for free as part of that. But I really like it. And, you know, I don't use a VPN 100% of the time. I don't use it when I'm on my home Wi-Fi, for instance. But whenever I go out in public, I just like to turn on you know, a, a VPN. I, I, you know, this is the same old story. I'm not really doing anything that I think I would get in trouble for, but I just like it to be secure. And I don't like the idea of man in the middle of attack. So uh, I run a, a VPN. And since I have already paid for the Eero service, why not? Right. So uh, I use encrypt.me, but if, even if I didn't have the Eero service, I think I would likely sign up for encrypt.me. I think that is, it's a good VPN that I trust. The problem with VPNs is so many of them are in themselves privacy risks. You know, they're run by bad characters that want to collect your data. They tell you it's a VPN and you're secure, but at the same time, they're collecting all your data. Encrypt.me does not appear to be a company like that. Yeah. And they were, they've been around a long time. They had another name before they became, it used to be called Cloak. Okay, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Cloak. Yeah, I remember that. Um, look, we're talking about iPhone apps. We have to talk about the weather app to end all other weather apps, Carrot Weather. Yeah. yeah. 
It's almost like you hesitate to put it in this show because I think everybody's already heard this, but how can you not mention Carrot Weather, right? Yeah. It's it's so, so good. The current version has a lot more customization than ever before. You can basically build your own app out of Lego pieces. Uh, so if you care really about certain information but don't care about other information, you just don't have to see it. You can just drag it around and change how it looks. Uh, that that syncs across all of your devices. Uh, we're not really talking about watch apps, but Carrot Weather has the best third-party watch OS app, I think, on the platform. I think it's just the best one. Uh, yeah. and it's, again, written by one person, Brian, does everything on it, and it is just so, so good. Um, it is a widget that lives on the main home screen of my phone. I have a little stack, and it has the current weather uh, and that widget will change throughout the day as things happen. If it's raining, it'll show me what rain is coming. If it's, you know, towards the evening, it'll show me what's coming the next day. Uh, and then I have the radar and I can uh, tap into the widget and go into the app. And I use it all the time. And it is just, and I've tried, I think, every weather app on the store. Like I just, I like weather apps. And I always come back to Carrot Weather because it is just so good. Yeah, me too. And, you know, weather isn't as big a deal where I live as it is where you live, but it's just so good, you know. And uh, I did the same. The way I interact with it on my phone is on the Today screen. I've got it right at the top, and I've got a stack of a couple different views of weather. And, you know, every morning I'm looking in it to decide whether I'm wearing jeans or slacks, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just I, uh, I like it. I even like the humor in it. You know, uh, one thing I didn't realize until recently is you can tune the humor and like give it, you know, um, whether it's more aggressive or less aggressive, but occasionally I, I think it tells me something funny. Yeah. You can, you can tune, uh, the aggressiveness of the humor. You can also tune it. So to like your personal viewpoints, or if you're like me, you can just turn it off because I just, I'd just rather see the weather. And so I, yeah. I, I leave all that off, but uh, it's again, something else you can customize in the app. Yeah. And uh, just really good. And uh, there's a lot there. I mean, that idea of customizing the UI inside an app by the user, I wish more developers would do that. I mean, just think about a lot of the apps we've talked about today. What if we as users could change the elements of the user interface to match exactly how we want to use the app? It, this is something that, uh, I mean, this is one of the very few apps I've ever seen this in. And it seems so obvious to me that this should be in all apps. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think if you had a task manager and you'd say, well, I don't want to see that in the user interface anymore because I don't need it. Yeah. But I want to see something else instead or yeah. your calendar app or whatever, you know, it'd just be great. You know, one app that just got uh, a bit of that is Overcast, uh, which is a, a podcast client for the iPhone and iPad and Mac. Um, and in the recent update, Marco added, or he didn't add, but he overhauled the playlists and sort of the main screen of the app. And so now your playlists are really colorful and you can set custom icons uh, with them. You can also turn on and off different sections. So there's a, a a horizontally scrolling section of the most recent episodes you've played or interacted with. You can turn that on or off. And then below that, there is a, a view to see all your podcasts. Uh, you can see inactive ones, like there's some filtering. So it's not 
completely like build your own like carrot weather is, but it does give you more control over how you see the podcast you subscribe to or just ones that you've checked out. And it is part of a bigger and honestly overdue redesign of Overcast. Uh, Marco has talked about that on ATP and under the radar where this is a, it's a big app. There's a lot of screens and he is slowly working his way through them. But uh, I was really encouraged by this update. I really like it. And I think Overcast is just, it's just a fantastic podcast client. I've used it since the very first beta that he invited me to, you know, way back when. And it sounds really good. It's also critically for me as a podcast publisher, it syncs super quickly. A lot of these apps just take their sweet time downloading new episodes and Overcast is really fast for public feeds and for private feeds, like all of our membership feeds. You can go to that specific show in Overcast as you can navigate to more power users. And if you pull down and refresh just that screen, it will manually pull that new episode because those take a little bit longer to crawl because there's uh, the way he does it is roughly based on popularity. Uh, So a big show like Mac power users I hit publish in our CMS and I look down and nine times out of 10, my phone is lighting up with the notification that there's a new Mac power user, right? It's basically instant. And a bunch of other apps aren't that way. Yeah, even less popular podcasts. Cause like I have now a podcast in the Max Barkey Labs, which is obviously a lot smaller than mm-hmm. the Mac power users. And as soon as I hit the publish button, it shows up in overcast. Yeah. And Late last year, I thought, well, you know, I've been using Overcast because I'm friends with the developer. I haven't really been giving the other apps a fair shake. I should try them. Maybe they would be better for me. And I did the thing where I use Castro and Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, I'm not even sure there's anybody working on that because there's like features that just don't work in that app for me. Yeah, it's it's a mess. But the um, but I went through them all and I ended up back with Overcast uh, for the same reason. I just feel like it's the best one. And this this latest update just makes it, and it just increases the lead, in my opinion. Do you use all those features in Overcast to like remove spaces? I do. Yeah. See, I don't really use much of that stuff. Yeah, I've truth. got uh, the volume matching turned on because a bunch of people don't do a good job at mastering their podcast. Yeah, as a one person that, that way I louder. Don't use. Yeah. <sighs> got me bananas. Yeah. Uh, I do use Smart Speed, which it trims silences, but it does it in a really clever way where it it honors the dur- the relative duration. So it's not going to cut all silence out equally, uh, but it does save time. You know, I've saved uh, 400 something hours, whatever the number is over time. Uh, but I do listen at one X and some people are surprised by that when I say it, but I'm from, maybe it's cause I'm from Tennessee and I talk the way that I talk. I, I can't keep up if it's any faster than one X. And so I listen at one X but with smart speed and uh, I've done it for years. Yeah. I do the same thing. I, when I meet listeners who are like, wow, I'm not used to listening to you talk this slow. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get that all the time, but yeah, I, me too. I, really, I listen to podcasts at one X generally as well. This episode of Mac power users is made possible by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all in one platform for building your brand and growing your online business. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, products, services, and even content right on Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can use insights to grow your business. Have you ever wondered where visits come from or what channels are really working for your sales? Well, you can analyze all of that in Squarespace. 
And once you have that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or the most popular products and content on your website. Plus, you can stand out in any inbox with Squarespace email campaigns. You can encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and then start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers. You start with an email template and customize it by applying your brand ingredients like site colors and logo. Plus, their built-in analytics measure the impact of every send. I love building on top of Squarespace. It's always my first choice when helping somebody else out with a project or maybe have something special that I'm doing. Everything from a single page website with some contact information, although through a giant website for a big organization with all sorts of different things like blogs and events and donations and purchases, everything you can build with Squarespace all in one place. Head on over to squarespace.com slash MPU for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to go, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash MPU and the code MPU for 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of Mac Power Users and Relay FM. Okay, we got some more here. Uh, you wanted to lightning around through some of these uh, these leftovers? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I want to talk about uh, Just Watch, which is a it's a whole like service, but the iPhone app is is how I always use it, and it basically like answers the question: Hey, where is that show streaming right now? You know, we are in the midst of a big upheaval in streaming services. Like we have a whole show on Relay now uh, <laughs> uh, dedicated to this called Downstream, which you should go check out if you um, haven't listened to it with Jason Snell and Julia Alexander. But very often it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard about the show. Someone mentioned it on a podcast or I saw it on Twitter. I want to check it out. And you can just search for it and it tells you where it's available for streaming. It tells you where you can purchase it. And uh, I use it all the time. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I didn't know that one existed, so I'm going to download that. It's a one. lifesaver if you if you like me have a sort of a weird collection of streaming services in your life. It's uh, pretty handy. Yeah, um, if you're trying to build up some habits, um, I went through all the habit tracking apps last year, and Streaks was clearly the winner to me. Um, and they recently updated it so you it can track more. Originally, it would only track six streaks at a time. Now it it does more than that. Um, but if you're like, you know, just trying to make sure you brush your teeth every day or journal at the end of the day or whatever it is you're trying to fix, uh, Streaks is a very nice app. It makes it really easy to use. It has good data and it looks good too. It does look good. Yeah, I've always liked their design. Uh, next up for me is an uh, an app called Taylor, uh, T-A-I-L-O-R. And it is an application for stitching multiple screenshots into a long one. And so you do this by taking the screenshots and you scroll your phone, you overlap a little bit and then it can figure out where the breaks are and then overlap it and and make really tall screenshots. There are other apps that do this, whether they're dedicated to it or it's a feature of, you know, a broader app. Um, There are also apps that look more modern than this. Like I'm looking on their website and it's all like iOS seven, iOS eight, stuff like it still works it's still being updated but um just looking at it it looks older 
which is kind of concerning. Uh, but I think it does the best job of the ones that I have used over the years. Uh, so you take a bunch of screenshots, you open Taylor, and it says, hey, I've noticed these four screenshots at the top of your photo library. Do you want me to stitch them together? And you hit yes, and then you can export it uh, with the share sheet, save it, or send it you know, to Twitter or a message or whatever. I use it fairly often. Anytime I do long screenshots on my phone, this is how I do it. This is another thing, like... I learned how to do in college on Photoshop because it used to be a lot of work and hard to do this. And now there's just an app for it. But uh, it is really useful if you do a lot of screenshot stuff on your iPhone. Yeah. Another one for me that I access on my iPhone a lot is MindNote. It's a you know, a um, mind mapping application. Uh, I think they might have sponsored Mac Power Users years ago. I don't really remember now. But the... Um, but they're, it's a great app, and it's really easy to do mind maps, and they're on the iPhone, the Mac, the iPad. And the way I mind map is usually project planning things where ideas come to me randomly. I like to kind of put space in between times I think about it. So a lot of times my iPhone's all I have. So uh, just open my phone, open up my node, add a node. If I come up with a new idea and it syncs everywhere, it just makes it really simple, and I, I dig it. The last one for me is Toolbox Pro. This is kind of a weird app because it's not so much, I mean, it is an app, but it's mostly a collection of actions for shortcuts. And so it kind of fills in the gaps in some of the standard system actions for shortcuts. And you can look on the website. There's a long list of actions that it can use. It can do everything from, like calendar and reminders stuff that the that the stock actions don't do all the way up to on device OCR and object recognition. You can read and write to NFC with it. Uh really powerful stuff. And uh so it's something that I've had on my phone and my other devices for a long time because it just makes shortcuts more powerful by donating these like kind of power user level actions. Uh I think it's super cool and I, I'm glad someone is there because Apple hasn't done the best job at keeping up its first-party actions and shortcuts. Uh, we've talked about this before. Where like Sometimes an app will get updated, like a stock app, but the new features won't be in shortcuts for a year or two, and sometimes Toolbox Pro can fill in those gaps or just make more things accessible that Apple, for whatever reason, hasn't gotten around to. There are several apps in this category, and this is definitely one of the best. Um just as a preview, we're going to talk about shortcuts for Mac in a few weeks. But the um, uh, if you want the Trojan horse of shortcut actions on the Mac, it's Better Touch Tool. Yes, just in, install Better Touch Tool. But we'll say put a put a pin in that one. We'll come back to that. My uh, my last one is going to be the app that I'm constantly struggling with where it fits in my life, but I keep using it. It's Instapaper. You know, Instapaper was the original Read It Later app. I've gone through phases where I tried to use Apple's read it later service or some of the other competitors, but I keep coming back to Instapaper. Uh, their integrations work with everything so well. They also work with Readwise, which I mentioned earlier in today's show. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so when I highlight something in Instapaper, get the highlight gets added to Readwise and then into Obsidian and my whole system. Uh, but I, you know, part of me doesn't want to have Instapaper. I'd rather just use like the built-in read it later service that Reader has. Um, but 
I, you know what, I just instant paper does too much for me that I, I just keep using it. So I still put lots of articles in this instant paper and I still constantly go in and read that. If I, if I'm not in short form, I'm probably in instant paper. Yeah. Yeah. I've switched over to good links, which I've talked about before, but, uh, instant paper is the, uh, it's the OG here, especially for those of us like in the Apple ecosystem, uh, written by Marco Arment, who much later did overcast and, uh, yeah, it continues to be uh, a solid option in that landscape. All right. Well, that, that was a few apps, Steven. <laughs> Just a few, there's like 50 things in the, in the links this yeah, week. Well, hopefully, if you're listening, you heard of uh, a couple of new ones or maybe get reminded of a couple old ones that you may want to try on your phone. I mean, it is the iPhone continues to be the Internet communicator that Steve promised, if, if not more so. And having the right apps can make the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in recording this, what I really sort of realized is, you know, some of these apps have been around a long time, but there is still a lot of new, exciting stuff happening in the app store. I mean, a bunch of the things we touched on haven't been around forever, right? They are newer players on the scene. And that, you know, I think it continues to show how vibrant this ecosystem is, you know, now uh, you know, what is it, uh, like 14 years into the app store and still doing still some amazing stuff there. Yeah, it's great. Uh, let us know your favorite iPhone apps at the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. We have a thread for each new episode. We'd love to hear what your favorite go-to applications are. Uh, before we hang up, Steven, what are the apps in your dock? Let's see. Um, messages, mail, safari, and camera. Funny how Apple Mail didn't make either one of our lists. Well, I mean, it's it's third-party <laughs> apps, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would have made our list anyway. No, what about you? Way. Um, so I have three shortcuts and I have the camera app recently. I, I always had just three shortcuts, but recently I added the camera because I did find myself occasionally wanting the camera app when I was already unlocked. So I found that faster, but we're going to talk about that in the more power users episode today. Uh, in the meantime, thank you to our sponsors, one password source graph, indeed, and Squarespace. We are the Mac power users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. Those forums, once again, are at talk.macpowerusers.com. We'll see you next time.